We're talking about the man of integrity and honor this morning. That's one of the things I really see. It's actually a shame you have to teach Christians nowadays to be men of integrity and men of honor, but we're really lacking this. Everybody's looking for a shortcut. Everybody's looking to get something. Everybody's wanting to stab somebody in the back, and that's just not biblical. The Bible says in the New Testament, teaching us men, that you've got to be blameless in the midst of this wicked and perverse generation. Actually, even the qualifying, one of the qualifications of a deacon, there's 16 qualifiers to be just a deacon. That, that means, like, if we're going to be biblical in this church, you've got to meet 16 points to take out the trash for me. 16 points to vacuum our floors. 16. If you combine Acts chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 3, 16 qualifiers. And one of them says, and then let them be proved, which means in the Greek, let them be found innocent after a public investigation. So to be a deacon, really what we have to do is put you in front of everybody and say, anybody got anything against this man? No? All right, I guess you can take the trash out for me. (laughs) Kind of a high standard, isn't it? It sure beats what we're looking at in America, though, which is make this high standard a limbo, and how low can you go? Only slime can crawl under that low standard, and that's what we're facing. So I'm kind of the mindset, let's raise this standard and raise it so high that only Jesus Christ can help you reach it. Because if you can reach it on your own, it's not a very high standard. You set it high enough just to make yourself look good. So we're looking at integrity and honor. Let's see what we've written here with this curriculum. You know, this... This curriculum isn't necessarily divinely inspired, but the scriptures that we use are divinely inspired. And so I've written most of these curricula so that you can study it on your own. Lesson five. This lesson will deal with the general character of of a man of God. Reverend Ray and I were talking yesterday and he said Pastor Barclay was teaching on how to be a man of God. And he said the first qualifier is you got to be a man. You ought to act like a man, smell like a man, dress like a man, fix your hair like a man. Instead of all this kind of gender weird stuff going on. Is it a guy or a girl? Now we play the guess the gender game. Yeah. Like I point out in this city, all of our lesbians end up looking like fat 14-year-old boys. There's some confusion there. And some of our metrosexual guys end up looking like pseudo girls with their long flowy hair and smell like a girl and, you know, have petties and manies and God help you. I've always said, as a man of God, you should have calluses on your hand. Amen. <laughs> Lift weights if you have to. I told the story. I, I one time, uh, I shook a, a priest's hand, and it felt like a big old fat marshmallow. <laughs> and, I, and I instantly lost respect. I'm like, man, you don't do anything, do you? And then I was at a funeral for a, a, a great uncle, and I shook the Methodist minister's hand, and his hand was soft like Paul Mollive, too. And I went, whoa. And then I went to shake my grandfather's hand. He said, boy, your hands are soft. I went, oh. (laughs) Let me get back to the gym and do some yard work and build some calluses up. Here I am judging everybody. And Papaw says, boy, your hands are soft. What haven't you been doing? (laughs) I don't know, Papaw, forgive me. (laughs) A man of God must have integrity and honor. Now we just kind of joke a little bit about calluses. I know surgeons maybe don't have calluses, but a man of God must have integrity and honor. These two qualities are becoming more and more rare each passing day. Character is how you behave when no one is looking, men. That goes good for women, too. Your character is how you behave when no one is looking. Uh, One of the things I find as a pastor is you guys know how to behave when I'm around. But when I'm gone, and I'm just a man, 
What about Jesus Christ? He's always with you. How do you behave when it's only you and Jesus Christ and the three heathen women you work with? Or the three heathen men you work with? That's real character. Character really is the backbone of faith and righteousness in your, in your life. You ought to be the same everywhere you go. You ought to be the same in church as you are in public. The words that come out of your mouth in public ought to be the same words you allow to come out of your mouth in church and vice versa. Otherwise, we're hypocrites. We're two-faced. We live from behind a mask. When in church we have our own lingo, oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus the Christ. And we get in public, oh, Jesus Christ. And we're cussing. And hey, let me tell you this funny joke. And in church, let me tell you this thing I was reading the Bible yesterday. There's no integrity there. Is wishy-washy. You're as squirrely as that one-legged unicyclist on ice. Come on, you got to have four-wheel drive and some grip and be, be dependable. Otherwise, you, you really, you're fooling yourself into thinking you're spiritual. And, and really, being spiritual is easy. It's just being in the spirit. But how about actually be a man of word, the word? Some folks know how to yield to the spirit, and then when they leave church, they yield to the flesh. And just because you know how to yield to the spirit doesn't mean you know how to resist the flesh. So you got to make sure you yield to the right thing all the time and you resist the right thing all the time. Some folks resist the flesh and they come to church and then they resist God. They just resist everything. But integrity and honor, you resist the right things and you submit to the right things. It's really not complicated. It just depends on how much you love God and how much you don't. The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So really our problem then is that we've not got enough word in our heart. We may have an overabundance of it in our head. But like I say, using the most vulgar demonstration I can, just because my mind understands how homosexuals engage in sex doesn't mean it's in my heart to do and I'm safe. And just because I know how to kill somebody in my mind doesn't mean it's in my heart to do. And just because I have the Bible in my mind doesn't mean I have a heart to do it. Because all of us, there's things we know to do that we are not doing that we know we should be doing. That comes back to integrity and honor. Character is how you behave when no one is looking. Make sure honor and integrity are found in you so that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom we might say you are supposed to shine as lights in the world. So your job, men, and this includes women, you're supposed to be blameless and harmless. The sons of God, the daughters of God without rebuke. Hopefully your boss is never able to rebuke you because he's a heathen. She's a heathen in the midst of a perverse and wicked nation. If your boss is rebuking you, you're not fulfilling this verse. There's no integrity there. Now, I understand some correction how to do it better. But if they have to tell you five times how to do your job, you're violating this verse and we're lacking integrity. Notice it says without rebuke. You're supposed to be unrebukable in the world. Men. Women, you're supposed to be unrebukable in the world. The world should be, not be able to find any sin in you because you're that much cleaner than them. Because your father's Jesus Christ, or God the Father, and their father's the devil. How come it is Christians get rebuked all the time on the job? By heathen bosses. That doesn't make any sense. You ought to be the light that shines on that job. You're the one that's supposed to have the truth, the knowledge, the way. And yet you can't even do your job well because I don't like them and I don't like that. I don't like being told what to do. That's your problem and it's evident. You won't t- let anybody tell you what to do, yet you want to tell everybody else what to do. What, really what we're facing is a big submission issue to authority on every level. 
You won't let anybody tell you what to do but your carnal appetites and your lust and the devil. And you'll submit right with that all the way to hell. Yeah. This is going over really big. <laughs> Thank you, Steve-O. So Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons or daughters of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Uh, it's a shame that a crooked and perverse nation would actually find something in you to rebuke. That you're not doing something good enough to please a crooked and perverse nation. That, we got to be honest, we've all been there. We've all been guilty of being rebuked by crooked and perverse people. What does that say about our walk with Jesus that the heathen correct us for things that they're right about and we're wrong about? Why were you late? Why did you rob the time card? Why didn't you do this job the third time I asked you? Why didn't you do it the first time? Why are you looking at smut on the job? I don't give you internet access so that you can look at smut. I give you internet access so you can email me business reports. And Christians are, they're failing Philippians 2.15 all the time. Amen. Well, since you like that verse so much, we'll go on to integrity. We'll give you a definition of integrity. Lacking corruption. Moral uprightness. Honest. Adherence to moral and ethical principles. So let's see. Moral uprightness. Adherence to a moral and ethical principle. The Bible is our code of ethics. So if we talk about Christian integrity, we're talking about adhering to the Bible's code of ethics. The world has a certain code of ethics. Our code of ethics far surpasses that. That's right. Because they'll break theirs because it suits them well. You don't get to break the word just because it's inconvenient or because you've got an excuse. You're going to be judged by the word. So you might as well adhere to it and obey it now. And that's integrity. It is what we adhere to. The Bible is what is right. And for my sake and our sake, we'll define integrity as living for what is right. Do you live for what is right? Or when right inconveniences you, you shirk it. You, you call, toss it aside. Well, usually I live for what is right, but today right is inconvenient. And what I want is, is what I want. So today I don't live for what's right that I may get what I want, though what I want's not right. You, you just had an integrity failure. It's called sin. I get tickled when they start talking about, well, this pastor had a, a, a moral failure. I said, all right, who do you sleep with? We try to church it up, you know, make it all pretty. Well, they had some issues and there was a moral failure. All right, who slept with who? Who embezzled what? Try to make it all pretty, a moral failure. No, you sinned against your God because His Word was not hid in your heart because you were playing games and flirting with them. We're not to do that, men. We got to be men of integrity, have a backbone for what is right, and then be willing to die for what is right. You live for what's wrong, you might as well live for what's right. Really what this is showing is we're not as spiritual as we think we are. Just because we can pray in tongues or lay hands on people or roll in the altar or whatever we think we do to be spiritual doesn't mean you have any backbone or character or integrity in you. Don't forget that God uses donkeys. Worse than that, God uses bushes. And He sets them on fire and they talk. We shouldn't have to be a donkey or a burning bush to actually have some character to be used of God. What is honor? Honor is high respect. Actually, if you look at it, you study it. I've studied honor a lot. Honor is actually an emotion. Most dictionaries define it as a strong feeling of. That's an emotion. A strong feeling of high respect. A strong feeling of, uh, we could say, value or esteem. Strict adherence to what is right 
or to an established code of conduct. That's talking about, you know, they, they're very honorable. They adhere to what we do. They honor our code of conduct. But high respect, high value, high esteem. Christian men should be men of honor. If this quote in Dr. Barclay, if honor's in you, honor will come out of you. We should have a high esteem and respect for what God honors. That's one thing we as Christians, we have to fight. We want to honor things God does not honor. Sometimes we have more honor for the celebrity than we do the man of God. We have more honor for entertainment than we do a tithe or an offering. We respect that more than we do what is godly. And that's why you've got to study the word to keep your mind renewed to what is the word so you can invest honor and respect where it needs to be invested. If not, the world will come along and say, I'll take some of your honor. We'll use it over here. And they'll end up embezzling some of your honor and investing it in them. And that's how the world perverts the church. For some reason, the church falls in love with celebrity preachers, though they have no character. For some reason, the church loves donut worship and coffee house worship, but they don't love real good Holy Ghost worship. They want everybody dressed in black with product in their hair and metal hanging out of their face. And they put 19-year-olds over the worship team when 19-year-olds are still struggling with everything under the sun and they haven't even read the New Testament once. Since when does a 19-year-old get to lead the church? Pastor Vaughn had a phrase called the 19-year-old know-it-all. They actually usually last into their 30s. <laughs> we should also adhere to our God's code of conduct. God's code of conduct will teach us how to be honorable. We will define honor as valuing what God values and living accordingly. The Bible has to teach us what to respect and what not to. It says, uh, esteem them very, uh, those that labor among you know them and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. It has to teach us who and what to esteem. It never says, you know that, that, that dirty movie actor who's had 17 wives and now is trying to save the planet from global warming? It never says, honor him. You know that politician that's the same color skin as you so you like him? Never says to honor him for the color of skin. It says honor the office. We have to be taught these things. Otherwise, the world comes along and it's always teaching us. Peer pressure is always teaching us. And don't be so duped or deceived into thinking you're that spiritual on the job. Because when you go to the job, you've only spent four or five hours in church at best. Some of you, you only come once a week and you think you're doing God a favor. But for those of you that come three and four services a week when we have them, you've still only been in church 20 hours a week. And those heathen on the job have lived for the devil the other 200 hours of the week. And they're more strong for their God than you are for yours. And don't be deceived by this. They live, unfortunately, we just have to admit, they're more sold out for the heathen God than we are the living God. They're more sold out for their carnal appetites than we are the word of God. And they, the heathen that you work with, they don't turn off their sin. Sometimes you turn off your Christianity when it suits you. <laughs> so the heathen are more consistent in their heathenism than the church is in their Christianity. Yeah. Should we teach on prosperity and make you feel really good? <laughs> Amen. All right. Let's move on since you're eating that up like cotton candy. A simple two-step process will demonstrate how much we walk in integrity and honor. Point one, what we say. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Point two, what we do. <laughs> Talk is cheap, church. 
I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I read the Bible. I pray. Oh, I lift my hands. I love worship. Praise God. Let's see some fruit of it in your life. James had to come along in his epistle and say, you say you have faith? I'll show you I have faith. Put some works to it. Faith without works is dead. Talk is cheap. Now, hopefully you'll keep confessing it and one day you'll have it. You will actually love Jesus. You will actually pray all the time. You will actually read the Bible all the time. But until then, a good step for your honor and integrity is what are you saying with your mouth and does your lifestyle back it up? And if your lifestyle doesn't back it up, then just kind of tone your mouth down a little bit and quit falsely advertising for Jesus Christ and really my church. (laughs) Tell us you're saved and you're going to make heaven. But sometimes we have to say, don't don't call yourself a Christian. I'm saved. I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to make it one day to heaven, but I really just am not a Christian because Christian means Christ-like. And this week, I'm not even really trying to be Christ-like, that is. Today, I'm just kind of being flesh-like. I'm kind of being Brett-like. I'm kind of being Chris-like. Kind of being Dr. James-like. I just want to live for me this week. So, yeah, I know if you get witnessed to. Usually, God will have somebody witness to you when you're dumb like that to convict you really good. Yeah, I got saved. I have a church. I have a pastor. He chews me out all the time. Uh, but I just, I just honestly couldn't call myself a Christian right now. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and I gave my heart to Jesus once. But this week, I'm giving it to the devil. Uh, pray for me. I'm backslid. <laughs> what we're talking about is being consistent for Jesus Christ. I mean, my God, nobody, nobody started this thing off to fail it. One of my pastor friends, Pastor Jim Jarman, just told me, he said, you know, Reverend, he always calls me Reverend, you know, Reverend, and he's about six foot nine and just looks down at you. You know, Reverend, he used to be a sheriff. They called him the hammer. He was pretty tough. He said, and he just came up to me at the conference for no reason. He said, you know, when I was in the world, I didn't water down my liquor and I didn't cut my dope with anything. And now that I'm a Christian preaching Jesus, I'm not doing it to Jesus either. Sold out for sin, and now that he's born again, he's sold out for Jesus Christ. Some of us are cutting our Jesus with something, watering it down a little bit. (laughs) Cutting our Bible time down and watching Fox News while we read our Bible. Don't think just because it's Fox, it's safe to watch. Good Lord. What we say, what we do, if we do not honor what we say, we will be judged as either a liar or a hypocrite. Neither one of those is worth being called. If we do not honor, if we do not do what we say, we will be judged as either a liar or a hypocrite. Integrity and honor will begin in your mouth. Put away lying and empty promises and don't boast yourself a false gift. Let us now look at certain arenas of our life where we can begin to demonstrate great, greater honor and integrity. And let us see how the Bible teaches us to act. So I've got to blow through this because we've got two and a half more pages and I just was getting warmed up there. Honestly, with any of these lessons we've written, we could, we could preach on them for six months. A year. We could talk on the creation of man for a year. We could talk on faith and authority for a year. And we could talk on integrity and honor for easily a year. So this is, we've given you a lot of scripture so you can study this on your own. Let's look at integrity and honor at church and try to help some of you men actually be useful to the kingdom of God. Church is where it all begins. Church is where you are trained and developed. If you're not faithful to attend church, there would be a good place to start. That goes back to some of you that come once a week and you think you're doing me a favor. Or Jesus Christ a favor. Or the local church a favor. You're more faithful to that, to your stomach than that. You feed your stomach four and five times a day and then complain that you're chubby. Never heard anybody complain, I'm too spiritual. 
I'm too holy. I'm too righteous. I walk with God too close. I should back it off. But we're always complaining. I've gotten fat. My teeth are rotting out. I drink too many sodas. How about try being faithful to church for a change? That's a good place to be full of honor and integrity. Did you know, I've shared this with you, when I trained judo, Mr. Carter, a self-proclaimed Buddhist Catholic, whatever that is, he made the profound, profound proverb and observation, those that come to judo on a regular basis get better. And now that I'm a pastor, I say, that man was a wise old sage. Because now I observe those that come to church on a regular basis get better. Good Lord. This is, this is elementary stuff. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking men who lack integrity and honor, they forsake, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So we're we're talking about that. Some Christians, that's just their manner. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do not be deceived into thinking church attendance alone makes you honorable and full of integrity. Church attendance will no more make you a man of honor than attending a football game will make you a quarterback. I wish some of our folks would learn that, that just because you come to one service a week doesn't mean you know where I'm making mistakes. <laughs> Church is not for spectators. Church is for participators. Merely warming a chair or a pew is dishonorable behavior. I say that again because I like it. That's why I wrote it, I think. Merely warming a chair or a pew is dishonorable behavior. Now, we do have about a 95% helps rate in this church. But that means 5% of people are dishonorable. You got born again. I love what Brother Frank preaches when he does tithes and offerings. You got born again because somebody was involved in helps ministry. You got born again because somebody was a tither and a giver. And now that you are born again, you are indebted to the Lord Jesus Christ to both finance and work in the kingdom. So thank God you come and you start coming two or three times a week. You you can't help but got to get involved. Otherwise, you're just sleeping in our chairs. Breaking wind in them and sleeping some more. That's not the mighty rushing wind we want in our services. We want a sweet smelling savor, acceptable and holy unto our God. Philippians chapter 4. This verse also calls for you to do something which is exhort. Don't just come to church, but exhort one another. That means you're actively participating. You got friends in the church. You, you got close acquaintances in church. Uh, we're not all going to be best buddies in here, but we can all be family. And there'll always be people in here you're drawn to more than others, and that's okay, as long as it doesn't become a clique. And those that you love, oh, my, Michael Dingwall looks a little cast down. Let me go over there and exhort him. Hey, Will I Am hasn't been here in a couple of services. Let me go over there and exhort him. Hey, Dr. Bade, who hadn't seen him, let me go exhort him. Hey, Mo, you been everything okay? Oh, we've been out of town. Oh, you should have called me. I'd have been praying for you. See, unfortunately, a lot with the donut churches and the seeker-friendly churches, they just heard them in and heard them out. And in the end, they can't even tell you what they heard. And they don't even know what's going on in their church. But they feel good, those Christians, because they punched the clock. They got a stamp on their subway card and 10 more. And maybe I get a step up in the spirit. You won't. Churches for participation. And this is a good place to be full of honor and integrity. Moreover, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's integrity and honor. The man of God is a steward over the mysteries of God, but that doesn't make him faithful. God makes you the steward. You make yourself faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So you get born again and God makes you a steward over mysteries. He gives you eternal life. He gives you the Bible. He gives you a call. But just because he made you something doesn't mean you've made yourself faithful. 
There's a difference there. God makes you the steward. You make yourself faithful. How many Christians quit the ministry? How many preachers quit the ministry and they're not faithful? How many Christians have something to contribute to the local church, but they don't ever bother to show up so they're not found faithful? We got to be faithful. Why, why does the world get our faithfulness? Why does the world get our allegiance? Why do the things of the world get our loyalty? Why doesn't God get our loyalty? Now, this may be new or hard for some of you, but back when I was in high school and college, I did a lot of rock climbing. And in 1994, 1995, I was probably one of the top five rock climbers here at Tech. Boasted myself something pretty cool. And one day we went to the Obed River to go rock climbing. And we climbed, and I was one of the two best climbers there at that moment, till these other guys showed up. Who, they didn't just climb up the wall to the roof, then they climbed on the roof upside down, like a spider. Then they dropped down from it on the rope, and then they did it again. And then they dropped down, then they did it again. And they ran laps, 100 feet up on rock, on the ceiling. And that day I realized, I may be a good rock climber, but there's so much more to rock climbing than I've ever scratched the surface. <laughs> And you may think and fancy yourself some faithful little Christian, but there's so much more to Jesus Christ than we've even scratched the surface. You may be the best Christian in your little family. Come over to the old bed with me. We'll show you things you've never seen. We'll show you what a Christian's capable of. And this guy just ran. We call, they call it running laps. He ran laps on, I think it was called Century Walls. They named rock climbing routes. It's a 510C or something until it hit the roof. And it was like a 512. And he'd just go up and then he'd just flip upside down and climb just as easily upside down on that rock as he did going up it. And then he would drop down, rerun the rope and do it again. And here I was thinking I was something because I could climb little old B-Rock in Monterey or the wall that used to be in Memorial Gym. That day I said, I know nothing. <laughs> and a humble Christian will say, you know what? I pray every day, I read my Bible every day, but I really know nothing. Sorry to raise the standard on you. Perhaps you preferred it when you were ignorant and you had a limbo and you could just slime underneath it and feel good about yourself. I'm not here to make you feel good about yourself. You should be feeling good about Jesus. For all of our righteousnesses, but filthy rags. All right, let's move on since you guys are eating this up and I'm just ripping it this morning. <laughs> Men, many men are not faithful to the local church. They come and go as they please, and they are submitted to no one. Would your pastor classify you as faithful and dependable? There's a good question to ask. 2 Timothy 2.2 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to unfaithful and unjust men who you can't trust and who are trying to sleep with the women in your church. No. Who shall the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also? Faithfulness will earn you promotion. Every man of God should be hungry for promotion in God's kingdom. If you're not eager to be promoted by God, something is wrong. If you're not want, men, if you're not wanting promotion in this kingdom, something's wrong with you. If you're not asking the Lord, Lord, use me more. Lord, talk to pastor so he'll promote me. Lord, give me more souls. Lord, let me do a greater thing for you. Let me have a greater impact than I've ever had. Really, the last of your life ought to be more fruitful than the first of your life. Unfortunately, in America, my observation, it's my country, folks have more fruit when they first get saved than when they dry up and go to heaven. Dr. Summerall had the testimony, I did more in the last 30 years of ministry than I did in the first 30 years. But what happened is he met Jesus and he kept walking with him. We meet Jesus and we get bored with him. That's the sin of familiarity. Oh, that's just Jesus. That's just the move of the Holy Spirit. We've heard this sermon before. We've heard this verse preached before. 
So you got to walk with Jesus and never stop walking with him. And you'll bear more fruit. If you're not eager to be promoted by God, something is wrong. You are not honoring the things that God honors. Are you a back pew Christian or a frontline soldier? That's a good question. All right, let's talk about taxes. We're just talking about integrity and honor. This is preaching a lot better than it did when I did a test run a couple weeks ago. I test run all my curriculum to work out bugs and typos. Maybe it's because some of you have sin and I'm getting the harp on it really good right now. <laughs> Many Christians worship money. Amen and amen and amen. It's the whole reason they won't tithe or support the gospel financially. They not only steal the tithe from God, they steal taxes from the government. Both are sin. Mark 12, 14, C and 17. It is, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus said, bring me a penny. So he didn't say, bring me $1,000. He didn't say, bring me $100. He said, bring me the smallest thing there is. Talking about you owe to Caesar down to the penny. Well, I, you know, I, I cut here, I cut there. I ripped the government off. It was only $1,000. Jesus said, bring me a penny. Even down to the penny, if it's the government's, it's the government's. Or you can be invaded by Muslims and blown up if you want. Your pennies help buy bullets. Praise the Lord. Your pennies help buy predator drones that take out Al-Qaeda. Praise God. Where do I write another check? Your predators finance the CIA and the FBI. FBI. Praise God. Your your pennies support this. We need this. Jesus answering them uh, said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. That's like a lot of Christians. Now. You mean I'm supposed to pay my taxes? I want to join the militia and have an underground cult. Stockpile all the food in the basement. Yeah. Give Caesar's what's his. Jesus settled this issue once and for all here. Even down to a penny. If you defraud the government, you deserve prison time. We'll send you our tapes. We have a jail ministry. You can be part of it. <laughs> If you defraud the government, you deserve to go to prison, and I will report you. It's just that easy. Now, I know our government doesn't spend the money the best, but I'll put up with a little bit of unneeded welfare if I can support a military. I mean, I don't like TSA frisking me or scanning me and my wife, but if it keeps my airplane from getting blown up, I'll endure it. Come on. In the end, God is our king. Jesus Christ is our Lord. We're fighting over things that we, we ought to just shut up and be praying over. Romans 13, 6 and 7. For this cause, pay tribute, tax also. Talking about men, police and authority and military. And Paul says, for this reason, because they're an authority and they don't bear the sword in vain. And so if you obey them, you don't have to worry about their sword. They won't kill you with the sword if you obey them. But they are, the Bible says that they are God's ministers. These soldiers, these police, these governors, these judges. They are God's ministers for judgment and execution of judgment. For this reason, pay your taxes. For they are God's ministers accordingly, excuse me, attending continuing upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute or tax to whom tribute is due, custom or toll and tariff to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Paul further clarified things by teaching us that these taxes and tolls actually support us. Taxes pay for the police, the emergency rescue teams, the military, judges, prisons, etc. You don't want to pay your taxes? Then let them put the prisoner in your basement. Let them put the rapist in your basement and you lock him up in your bedroom and you feed him. That's what your taxes pay for. I don't want it in my basement. 
I'll pay some taxes. If you defraud the government of taxes, don't call 911 next time you have an emergency. Bleed out. Let your baby choke to death. Let your wife get raped. This is Bible. I think we're just seeing how much we worship money. Wait a minute. I thought we were Christians. I'm really stomping on you guys this morning. Kind of sad it took me five weeks to get the ball rolling on this godly men thing. I thought Jesus was our supply. I thought we sing, my God is more than enough. He shall supply all my needs. But when the government calls, you know I'm going to steal it. I thought we believed God was El Shaddai, our supply, our more than enough. Or is that coming back to what we say and what we don't do? (laughs) That would be that hypocritical thing. Uh, it's really easy to preach prosperity. It's another thing to actually live it. It's one thing to preach faith. It's another thing to actually live by it. It's one thing to talk about the Bible and have a renewed mind to the Bible. It's another thing to actually live it. So I guess I'm raising the standard this morning and we went from high jump to pole vault. And you've got the limbo music still on. <laughs> Tax fraud is a sin, and it shows a lack of integrity. On the job, let's nail the rest of you. The average American will spend at least 40 hours a week, 2,000 hours a year on his job. This statistic should indicate to us that our workplace will be be a great place to practice our Christianity and to demonstrate honor and integrity. 1 Timothy 6.1, let as many... Now, all these verses I'm about to give you refer to slavery. Well, bond servants, which isn't slavery like the U.S. used to have, but... We're going to speak of it in terms of bosses and employees. So I'm going to use the word employee when we see servant and boss for when we see the word master. It's the same heart. Let as many employees as under the yoke count their bosses worthy of all honor. Because look, uh, your boss does not own you unless you work for him and give him your your soul, which some Christians do. And I pick on them and I say, how's Pharaoh doing? See, this is even a worse case for them that they're basically, they're owned by this master and Paul's commanding them to give them honor. So I think if you can give the man that owns you honor, then you can give your employee or your employer some honor. Because remember, he's the one that signs the paycheck. So if you're going to complain about him, then complain about your paycheck, which some of you do anyway. But you were so happy to get the job when you first got it. I got too many. Have you guys backslid this week or what? (laughs) Yeah? No? You promise? We'll have an altar call at the end. We're going to have communion this morning. We can get our hearts right with Jesus. Let as many employees as under the yoke count their bosses worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. That would almost say that one of the places you can actually be a blasphemous Christian is on the job. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So if you're disrespectful on the job, you're blaspheming God and his doctrine. You're disrespecting your boss, your employer, your fellow employees, the company. You're grumbling, you're griping, you're complaining. You're stealing the time card. You're lying. You're taking longer breaks than you should. You're bla- it's what the verse says. It's written to New Testament Christians. It's the implication, the, the accusation is you, Christian, are very much capable of blaspheming your God. And notice it didn't take some weird heresy. 
It didn't take denying Christ. It didn't take drinking serpent's blood or handling snakes or weirdness like that or, or having temple prostitutes. It just took being a complainer on the job. All right. You guys are eating that up too. This is almost like when our guys go to the jail and they teach the message called submission to authority. It's about how this is going over. I have found our biggest weakness in my church now is integrity and honor. This is embarrassing, especially since we have a guest minister who I always want to show our church off. And I hit on integrity and honor and it's a lull. <laughs> your lifestyle on your job and around your, quote, work family, because really you spend more time with your workmates than you do your own family. It's just the truth. Gosh, I got five minutes now. Has the potential to glorify God or blaspheme his name and doctrine. Demonstrating honor and integrity on your job will only cause God to promote you. Now, there's some verses there. Ephesians 6, 5 through 7, Colossians 3, 24, and Titus 2, 9 and 10. Those three verses, read them on your own. This is my checklist I got from it. These verses, jump down a little bit, themselves, repeat these verses repeat themselves for a reason. This is important to God. Here's a simple checklist to help you maintain integrity and honor on the job. So I get these eight points from these three passages of Scripture. You ready? Obey your boss. Good Lord, that's easy. Number two, focus on your work and do your job. It's why you're getting paid. <laughs> you're not, you don't get paid to socialize at the coffee pot or in the bathroom or at, you know, the donut box. Focus on your job and do what you do. Your job is what you get paid for. Point three, do a good job even when no one is looking because God is looking. That refers to eye service and men pleasers. Some folks, oh, here comes the boss. Look busy. Mm. Or your boss walks in and you close down the internet browser. <laughs> All right. <Come> <laughs> Fight to maintain. A, I actually got convicted over that one time and I repented to my boss when I worked in Knoxville. Mike Montgomery out of Atlanta. I just, it just convicted me. I, I called him up. I said, Mike, I just need to repent. To, he's a heathen. I probably spend too much time on the Internet just surfing. I'm doing research, but then I see, you know, an article and I just want you to forgive me. Hey, man, we all surf the Internet. No problem. And that was it. But it, I had to get it off my heart. It was wearing me out because here he is paying me a good amount of money. And I'm like, I've been following too much news online and, Fight to maintain a good attitude on the job. Don't run with complainers. It's amazing. 13-year-old people grow up to become 33 and 43-year-old people who still play middle school games on the job. Peer pressure. The cool crowd. Clicks on the job. And you're grown men and women. They don't like me. And they won't take me out to lunch. What is this, middle school? And they won't let you sit at the table? Do your job with all of your heart. Point six, do not backtalk. You're paid to work, not sass. Point seven, do not steal, pilfer, or embezzle from your boss. You should go to prison for this. Point eight, work like you want a promotion, then earn it. Work like you want a promotion, then earn it. All right, in business, because now I've got like two minutes left and I've got a few few lines. If you're a Christian businessman here, because we've got a lot of businessmen in here this morning, you can expect to be tempted with fraudulent practices and shortcuts. You must know the word and resist these. Talking about integrity and honor in these different areas. Proverbs 11, 1, 16, 11, 20, 10, and 23. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. 
a false balance. That's referring to scales. You go to market, you're going to buy a pound of cantaloupe, but the, 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 the weights he puts on there aren't really a pound. They're more than a pound. So you're paying for more than what you're really getting. Some, some business owners are unscrupulous like this. You can even do this with your time card. Come in late, have somebody punch it in for you so it's like you worked an extra 30 minutes you didn't really work or take an extra lunch and never bothered to clock in or clock out. It's a false balance and it's one of the things God says is an abomination. You're a liar. You're a deceiver. And you're fraudulent. So get it right. This proverb is quoted four times in the book of Proverbs. I wonder if it means that's important. It's one of only about two Proverbs that are quoted that many times. The other one talks about lying lips and things like that. This proverb refers to the marketplace where goods are bought and sold by weight. The dishonorable seller would shave weights used at the scale so the buyer was really buying, being ripped off. Instead of pounds of potatoes, they are really paying for three quarters of a pound. This unscrupulous business practice is called an abomination to the Lord. Colossians 4.1, Masters, Bosses, Employers, business owners, give your employees that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a boss in heaven. So be fair to your employees. If you're a boss or supervisor, be fair to those under you. Show no partiality for person or only for work ethic and things that earn promotions. You can be partial to faith and work ethic. Who cares about skin color? Who cares about weight? Who cares about size? Really, who cares about education? Some of the smartest people I know are some of the laziest people I know. So if you're going to be partial to anything, be partial to work ethic. Promote those that have earned it. That's why affirmative action is such a fraudulent thing. We're going to promote people based on color when they don't work hard. Now, some of them do. Fire the white folks, hire the black folks. I don't care, but don't fire people based on color. Fire them based on performance. That's right. This is Absolutely. basic business. Yes, be mindful that your employees are, or subordinates already know you are a Christian. Make sure you lead like one. Proverbs 13, 11. Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Dirty business practices will certainly do you in. Stay clean, honorable, and let God build your business, not underhanded practices. May God help us to walk in honor and integrity that we may be, that we may be judged not as a hypocrite, but as a holy and blameless man of God. So you guys enjoyed that one so much. I'll preach it again next Sunday. Now, hopefully you got something out of it. As quiet as it was, I'm sure that was working you over. But we just want to be men of honor and integrity because everybody on your job already knows you're a Christian, so you better act like it. And your family knows you're a Christian, so you better act like it. Love you guys. We have a few minutes, and then we'll have our, our regular service. Thank you for coming to Sunday School.